right, good afternoon, everyone. You all may be seated. And yes, today is my 51st birthday. And thank you all for the birthday wishes. And you know, uh, to kind of lead into the, the message on today, uh, I'm looking at. Uh, Naeem and Imani, and when I was their ages, I used to think 51, there was no reason to live anymore. <laughs> it's like, I know. It's like, you, you have no reason to live. <laughs> Obviously, I feel a lot different about that now. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the word. Uh, the topic topic for today is a, which again ties in, a long range view. And uh, how our lesson was just jumping all over this message today. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to start. Let's see. Let me pull this up here. Long range view. text starts with Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, but I'm going to start Ecclesiastes 1 to kind of set the stage here. There's a time for everything. We know this passage. There is a season, a time appointed for everything, and a time for every delight and event or purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. We talked about dancing this morning. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up is lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, uh, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What profit is there for the worker for that in which he labors? I have seen the task which God has given to the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. But then Solomon changes gears here. And he starts in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. And this is what got me. And this is going to be the focal point of this message. He has also planted eternity. A sense of divine purpose in the human heart. Listen to this. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Now, again, at 51, I understand this a lot more than I did at 21. 
God has, has planted, and I, and I like this imagery, he has planted eternity. Okay, when we plant something, it has to be watered. It has to be cultivated and fertilized. I can plant something in the ground. If I don't water it, it's not going to come up. So God has placed, he has planted this eternity in our hearts. We got to do something with it. We got to do something with it. But see, all of us have it. Whether we have a relationship with the Lord or not, that eternity is there. The news, I mean, there's been a rash of, of people who have overdosed on drugs. We have YouTube stars that have made millions of dollars. They either kill themselves, overdose accidentally. That speaks to that eternity that is not satisfied by what they're pursuing. The, the cosmos, the world system says, just get more money. If, if you become famous and rich, you got it. But God has planted that eternity in our hearts, and they get the money, and they're like, it, it's not. It's not. It's not satisfying. It's not doing it. And and they're like, but wait a minute. The, the money was supposed to do it. And they end up taking their lives. We have look, what just a few days ago. Uh, what was this? Michael Williams was that his name? Michael K. J. K. Williams. You know, accomplished actor. Overdose on drugs. We've had rappers overdose on drugs, two or three this year. I've grown up listening to some of those rappers. Wealthy, accomplished. But that, that eternity was not satisfied in their lives. All right. So I want us all to keep that in mind as we go through these other passages here now. There and there and there. Okay. So let's go to Isaiah 40. Well, actually, I didn't finish. I didn't finish reading that passage. Uh, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose. So the question that we're going to revisit when we get to the bottom of this is what is your divine purpose? What is your divine purpose? He has planted that in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet my, man cannot find out, comprehend, grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. God has planted that eternity in our hearts, but he doesn't give us the itinerary of how it's going to go. Nope, don't have a program. So we're, we're going through life. We're experiencing trials and challenges and joys. And, and we're scratching our head through stuff. And we're watching, let's say, children that are acting crazy. Or they're doing great. And we're trying to figure things out. And 
you know, we, we talked in the lesson this morning, and God wants us to rest and trust in him. God is sovereign. He's in total control. That is unquestioned, but do I believe that? Do I acknowledge that? Do I live right? Do I live that way? God is God. He's in control. He's got it all worked out. But am I acknowledging that in my life, the way I live? All right, Isaiah 40, verses 25 through 27. And this is God speaking through Isaiah. To whom then will you compare me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these heavenly bodies, these stars, these planets. Who, who created that out there? The one who brings out their host by number, he calls them all by name. A lot of names. Now, again, we're going to revisit this a little bit later, but let me throw this out really quickly. Question, how many stars are there in the universe? A lot, yes. In our Milky Way galaxy, it is estimated that there are 100 billion stars in the galaxy, in our galaxy. And there are, right, I guess, and there are infinite galaxies. God has not only created these stars, but he has named every one of them. But, again, do I believe this? Have I placed my trust in this sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient God who has planted eternity in my heart? All right. Uh, let's see. Again, lift up your eyes on high. I encourage you, if you don't do this often, and it, it's hard here in L.A., but either early in the morning or at night, go outside and look up. Just look up. I was, uh, I was doing... I think I went up to Los Osos High School. Uh, I think it was Wednesday morning, and you know, I'm doing my workout, and during a portion of it, I'm laying on my back, and I'm looking in the sky. And I believe I saw the Big Dipper. And I said to myself, I said, God, you did that. That reminds me of God's sovereignty, his power. And if he created and named all these stars, I think he can handle my issue. Now, that may not, it probably won't decrease the, the pain that I experience through that. But I'm learning at 51 years old that God uses that pain to mold me into the image of Christ. Do I like the pain? No, I don't. 
Do I enjoy the pain? No, I don't. But I am learning I need it. Yesterday, we celebrated the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. And, and here's another example of eternity planted in our hearts. As we all recall, the only Imani and uh, um, Naima were not here then. They weren't born yet. But we, we remember what happened with our nation. Honestly, around the world, we were all stunned, terrified, and we all got closer together. Churches were filled for about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, until it wore off. We experience things in life that we have no explanation for, and that's where that eternity, it's like, you know what? There's something bigger. Something's going on. I cannot explain it. And at baseball, when, when baseball games resume, seventh inning stretch, they're singing, God bless America. Because God has planted eternity in our hearts. All right. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these heavenly bodies. The one who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why, O Jacob, do you say and declare, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? In other words, oh, God doesn't see what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. And in this context, sin, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cheat people. I'm going to lie to folks. I'm going to do whatever I want. God, God don't see me. I'm good. Why, O Jacob, do you say and declare, O, Lord, o Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the, the justice due me escapes the notice of God? God's not going to get me. Man, I, I got this thing worked out. I, I put my plan together. I'm good. God is watching. God is in control. God is sovereign. And also, God loves us. Let's go to Psalm 103. And this is great news for all of us. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. So anger and abounding in compassion and loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins as we deserve, nor rewarded us with punishment according to our wickedness. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear and worship him with awe-filled respect and deepest reverence. This is what we were talking about this morning. Um, we have to be careful as believers, and, and Pastor Warren was talking about this this morning, that we don't devise our own worship system. 
well, God, I'm sincere in what I'm doing. I, I'm, I feel it in my heart. And I know God accepts that because I'm sincere. Yeah. God desires those, he's looking for those to worship him in spirit and in truth. David wanted to bring the ark back, but he decided to do it in a way that God said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, that, uh, no. We have a number of parents in the house. When you tell, or and most of your children are grown, when you told your children to do things, and they said, no, I'm going to do it this way. How did that make you feel? You weren't too pleased with that, were you? No, I said, do it this way. And if the child decides, no, I'm going to do it another way. There's some consequences because of that. And even bigger than that, it, it's defiance. It's disobedience. Uh, when um, uh, Saul, who was it? Um, Samuel told him, go, go kill the Amalekites. Kill them. All of them. Everything. And Saul said, you know, I think I have a better idea. Yeah, I'm going I'm to bring some. I'm going to spare King Agag. I'm going to bring these uh, sheep and all these things back, and I'm going to sacrifice them. That's not what God said. And when Samuel asked Saul about it, he said, yeah, no, I did it. I, I was obedient. Yeah. And Samuel said, well, what is this? And what's this? Because God has planted eternity in our hearts. He's looking for a response of obedience. Let me make it a little more personal. God tells us to forgive people, right? But sometimes we'll say, but God, you don't understand what they did to me. So I'm going to hold on to this. And God, you understand, don't you? Because I'm sincere. You know my heart, God. I'm sincere. And really what they did to me was so painful that I, I just can't let it go. But, you know, God, I love you. you know. Yeah, yeah, you know my heart. You know my heart. God says, no, I said forgive them. Because when we look at what, again, think of, let's say Jesus had decided, you know, 
I'm here to give my life for your sins, but I'm, I'm not going to you know, be the sacrifice for all of them. Yeah, I'm just going to be up here for like 35 minutes. <laughs> Where would we be? Again, is forgiveness easy? No. no. But I am learning, and, and yes, we all experience things that hurt us. We were talking about this Thursday night. We have all been hurt, and, Brother David, <laughs> we've all hurt some people. All of us have hurt somebody. We have done some things that we will not talk about in this setting. Things that we're ashamed of. And we want people to forgive us, right? All right. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear and worship him. with awe-filled respect and deepest reverence. Uh, Warren, as you were talking, and um, I'm talking about Uzzah, imagine if God did not take Uzzah's life. Uzzah would be walking around saying, I'm the one that saved the ark. <laughs> He'd be like, no, I did it. Uh, can we get a, a vacation day for Uzzah? Because I'm, I'm the one that saved the ark. I kept it from tipping over, you know. I'm really important. That's how our hearts work. When we do good things, we're like, please recognize me. All right. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Aren't we thankful of that? Um, let me throw this in. It's concerning. God has said that I've forgiven you when we give it to him. He said, I've forgiven you. I've removed it as far as the east is from the west. But we've all heard people say, yeah, I know God has forgiven you, but I can't forgive myself. Really? Really? So... The God of the universe who made the hundred billion times whatever stars has said, I got you. I got you. I've restored you to fellowship with me. The slate is clean. And I'm going to say, but I can't forgive myself. So do I really trust God then? Do I believe him? I'm going to let that hang in the air for a little bit. Because we've all heard that, right? People say, maybe, maybe one of us have said that. I, I can't forgive myself. So when Jesus said, it is finished... What did, he, what did he mean by that? He said, it's finished, but 
but I need you to do a little more sacrifice for me. I, I need you to get in a $100 line. Right. When Jesus said, Tetelestai, it's finished, he meant it's finished. It's done deal. Now, I can accept that by faith, or I can turn it over in my own head and say, but no, I, I need to do. All right. Here's another one that can be interesting. Let me read this. Just as a father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear and worship him with awe-filled respect and deepest reverence. Many people do not know what it, how it feels to have a father love them. So when the word says, as a father loves his children, people are like, huh? What? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. Because my father was never around, or he didn't love me, or he abused me. We've all heard stories. I, I was going to say, I, I still work in the schools, sort of. I'm a sub now. I have heard stories of fathers sexually abusing their children. It's sickening. And, and they're, in, they're in reports. I've read through where fathers have sexually abused six-year-old children. So imagine how that person who's now an adult, when they read this passage, says, as a father loves his children, like, oh, And that's why we have to get to know our Heavenly Father. Just as a father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear and worship him with awe-filled awe respect and deepest, deepest reverence. For he knows our mortal frame. He knows me. There's a song that says, he knows my name. He knows my every thought. And he sees each tear. And he hears me when I call. And I commit to you, that's what we need to do. When, not, not if something hurts, but when it hurts, we go to God and say, God... God, this hurts. This hurts. And let's y'all know me. I want to keep it real. I want to be authentic. Yes, there are things that have been done to us. It's like, how could they do that? And then sometimes folks are so callous. It's like, yeah, I did it. What? You got something to say? And sometimes that pain 
some of these things may have happened when we were children and then we're triggered maybe a spouse does something to us a boyfriend a girlfriend does something and it triggers that memory from 19 whatever and that pain returns what do I do with that I say God God this hurts it hurts bad I want to be obedient but I'm having a hard time with this Lord I need your help and I believe God will say I've been waiting for you I've been waiting for you to give it to me because see the, that, that passage that says when you come to the altar and you realize you you know your brother has an art against you go back and get it right See, unfortunately, sometimes we like to take that load. We, we bring it to the altar, put it down. Amen. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it back with me. All right. Again, he knows our mortal frame. He remembers that we are merely dust. I, I shared in Power Hour part of a grief ministry at, at uh, CCU. 13 people who have lost spouses. There's one lady whose husband died 38 years ago. Two or three days before he died, he asked her to come sit with him on the couch and talk. She said, I got to go clean the kitchen floor. He died. 38 years later, that still wouldn't hurt. But she had freedom to share that. Another case, there are two sisters. Um, they are in their mid to late 70s. The older sister's husband died in January. They were like three or four months shy of their 60th wedding. Uh, the younger one's husband died about three years ago. Right when the older one's husband died, they, uh, the older uh, sister was asleep. So the, the call came in that her husband had died. Her sister went into the bedroom and woke her up and said, man, he just died. She realized, and in, in our meeting two or three weeks ago, she apologized to her sister there tears in her eyes. She said, Barbara, I am so sorry. We ran in. We were told we had to go tell you right away. We, did, we didn't know what we were doing. So sorry. And the rest of us are sitting there. Ooh, ooh. But what I'm seeing in this, healing. What I'm seeing in this, is that eternity planted in the heart where what's really important see I've, I've never heard of someone on their deathbed saying hey how are my investments doing did they go up today how, how much money am I making but you see what our society does the, the cosmos the message it sends us 
it, it's about money and possessions and degrees and, and this and that. And that's what's going to make you happy. That's what's going to satisfy you. And it makes us feel cool. Yeah, you know, it, it provides a temporary satisfaction. Yeah. But it's not long lasting. Take it from me, Mr. BMW man, 12 years ago. I enjoyed driving my car. I just didn't like paying for it. All right. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, and this is from the Expanded Bible. Be careful. Watch your step, your feet, when you go to worship at the temple, the house of God. Listen to this. It is better to listen than to offer foolish sacrifices without even knowing you are doing wrong. Whoa. Whoa. It, that takes me to, uh, you know, we know Job and his three friends. Everything was fine when they were just there sharing, spending some time with him. But then they started talking. And they were doing their theological. Uh, <laughs> Here's what's really going on, Job. You know what, man, fess up. I know you've done something wrong. Because I know that God does not treat people this way. Unless they've done some wrong. Sometimes we just need to stop talking. Let us be swift to hear slow to speak and slow to wrath because the wrath of man does not mean the righteousness of God. But sometimes we feel, we feel obligated to share our opinions. <laughs> you need to know how I feel about this matter. I know you, that's why you came to me, right? You wanted me to share my insight. I believe Job said, Job said, worthless counselors you are. Worthless counselors you are. I am learning at 51. And, and again, this is what's happening in this, this grief ministry. People, I said it in Power Hour this morning. One of the it was actually uh, the older lady who's uh, you know, her sister. She said in the first meeting, she said, I am mad at my husband and I'm mad at God. And I said, I get it. The two or three months shy of 60 years of marriage, she did, he did everything for her. Everything. And she has Parkinson's. And now he's gone. What I've realized is that God can handle that. He can handle it. Yeah, he can handle it. But what, what didn't happen was, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't say that. We just sat there because you had a, a room full of folks. It was like, no, I get it. One time for counsel right there. 
It was just time to listen. And that, that sharing, um, mental health counselors will call that catharsis, the cleansing. Just get it out. Let's say there's something else. There, as we saw earlier in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to talk. There's a time to be silent. Sometimes we need to get stuff out. Get it out. If I've been holding on to a hurt for 40 years, let's talk about it. With, with You go to a trusted friend or somebody and say, you know what? That hurt me. Instead of saying, I'm fine. How do you feel about that situation that happened? I'm fine. I'm fine. No, you're not. Because you're vomiting all over everybody else all the time. So no, you're not fine. Talk about it. Talk about how it hurt you. And give it to God. God, I need you. I can't do anything with this. All right. Time check. Here it is. Think before you speak. <laughs> Do not be quick with your mouth and be careful about what you say. Oh, um, here's one of the comments from one of the people in the, in the ministry. Um, let's see. It was a guy. He and his wife had been married maybe six or seven years and he was telling the story to somebody and she said oh you guys are only married a short time so it's not that bad think before you speak my, my aunt told me a story about what someone said to her I'm not, I'm not going to share that auntie but not cool And I get it. Sometimes people think they're helping, they're, they're trying to encourage. I, I get it, I get it. It's when, when we see someone experiencing grief, it, it hurts us and we wanna make them feel better. So we're thinking like, okay, what can I say? What can I do? What can I say? Uh, uh, how can I encourage them? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, let me say something. And sometimes it's like, you know what? That didn't help at all. Yeah, it hurt. Just, just come and sit with me. Ask me if I need something. Can I help you with anything? Here's one. Just say, I have no idea what you're going through right now. I don't know what to say, but I, I just want to let you know I'm here for you. R write that down, please. Because just like Job's friends, worthless counselors. All right. Uh, think before you speak. Do not be quick with your mouth and be careful about what you say. Do not let your heart rush 
to utter a word to God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So say only a few words to God. Let your words be few. Dreams come from too much worrying or work. And too many words come from foolish people. All right, let's go to Luke 16 and 15. And this is a passage I usually use in the uh, uh, financial stewardship ministry. Thank you. But again, think of it in the context of God planting eternity in our hearts. So he said to them, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, you are the ones who declare yourselves just and upright in the sight of men. But God knows your hearts. He knows your thoughts, your desires, your secrets. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. The word in Greek is delugma, and it means a rotting sacrifice. So when I, although God has planted eternity in my heart, I'm not cultivating that eternity. I'm going to go with the world system and say, no, this is important. I need to, and let me say this, there's nothing wrong with getting a promotion or whatever or getting a car or house or whatever. But what is important is what are my motives? Why is that important to me? Is it so people can, uh, Pastor Warren says all the time, Sometimes our greatest object of worship is me. In our relationships, I'm, I've been reading through a book for a couple of years. It's called The Marriage Builder, but it, it deals with relationships. In our relationships, we can either minister, we can attempt to minister or manipulate. We either attempt to minister or manipulate. And it can be subtle manipulation. So that's a question for all of us. In my relationships, whatever they are, am I trying to minister to the person or am I trying to manipulate that person to do what I want them to do? Oh, Pastor Kerm, you look great. You my best friend. Can I have? <laughs> Again, we're talking about eternity planted in our heart. All right, let me wrap this up. All right. So again, let's examine our motives. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Listen to this. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God. Let me read that again. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God. Let me put some feet on this. We're going through a situation. It's rough. It's hard. It's tough. And I'm grumbling my way through it. Oh God, you know, I'm so tired of these people. They make me sick. And he 
these people stupid. Wasting my time. Tired of this. I'm working on myself in that. Because, let, let, me, let me read the definition of, of God's providence. Providence is God's gracious outworking of his purpose in Christ, which issues in his which issues in his dealings with man. There is perhaps no greater example of God's providence in history than his evidence in the divine preparation of the ancient world for the coming of his son. God makes no vain preparations. God will use trials. No, no, no. God does use trials to mold us into the image of Christ. But if I'm complaining my way through them, let me say this, I completely understand that trials by definition are not comfortable. But the passage says, do everything, how many things? Everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God. What, God, why did you put me here? God, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and some, sometimes we get, I, and I ain't going to do it. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation among whom you are seen as bright lights beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness, holding out and offering to everyone the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to rejoice greatly, because I did not run my race in vain, nor labor without result. Let me put some feet on this. Someone knows that I'm a believer. They see me going through a situation, and I'm grumbling and complaining and sarcastic and irritable, and they're looking at me like, huh? So this is what your relationship with God leads to? This is, this is how it works. That's how it goes. We are ambassadors for Christ. You all know around the world, Americans are known as ugly Americans. And you know why that is? Because we, we go places and act up. I want you to do this for me. I'm an American. I'm important. I'm privileged. I live in the best country in the history of the world. And you little whatever country you're in, you should be privileged I'm here. Do you know that sometimes we do that as Christians? Yeah, spiritual pride. Jesus reserved his harshest criticism for the Pharisees and the scribes who constantly misrepresented him. I'm, I'm important because I'm a child of the king. Just look at me. In fact, you need to cross the street when I walk down because I'm too holy. 
know that I've heard people testify that way? I can say that. I'm not going to say that. God has placed, planted eternity in our hearts. I am learning. There, there are just some things. Just leave it alone. It's not a big deal. Okay. And we can, we can get ourselves worked up on stuff. First of all, that's not even my business. Not in my business. And I'm... All right. Finally, here's how we can do this. Another way. Well, first of all, we have to have a relationship with the Lord, with the one who has planted the eternity in our hearts. But Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human. In every aspect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures. How many people uh, fail in here? And find his amazing grace to help in the time of need. An appropriate blessing coming just as the right moment. God loves us. He knows us. He knows our frame. He wants us. Psalm 62 and 8. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Okay, questions. What is your divine purpose let me give you an example. I believe that mine is to interact with people who are broken, not from the perspective of an expert, but as a fellow traveler. I, I feel you, brother. I feel you, sister. I don't have an answer, but we can go through this together. I, I, I kind of don't like when people are termed experts in things, especially in Christian stuff. And it's like, oh, I don't know. The only expert is God. We're, we're fellow travelers. Number two, how do we view and interact with God who has created and named 100 billion stars in our galaxy? What is my relationship with that God who has created and named 100 billion stars just in this galaxy? We talked about the definition of providence. How do we respond to God's providence? When things get rough in my life, how do I respond? Do I jump into complaining? And uh, and again, I, I'm, I'm telling. I'm. I had a meeting. I was. I was telling uh, Amanda. I had a meeting Friday. Um, and the lady was. She was not kind. And I was like. And afterwards, I I got up and I was talking to one of the ladies. I said. You know what that lady did? And afterwards, I said, you know what? You shouldn't have said that. My response should have been, oh, that, that was a tough meeting. But, okay, God, you have a lesson for me to learn. As I shared with Amanda, 
Do you know how much complaining God deals with with us? And he's long-suffering with us. He continues to put breath in our lungs every day despite our complaining. It's like, oh, no, here, here, here's another day for you to breathe. It's good. All right. So, yeah, some things for us to think about. God has planted eternity in our hearts. How do we respond to that? God desires intimacy, transparency, vulnerability from us. I'm done. salvation. We didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to buy it. We couldn't do that anyway. It's not by works nor by deed. But it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. I was asked one time why Christ? I said because he's God. If he's God, why did he die? I said, oh, thank you for asking. Because we wouldn't have had salvation if he didn't come as a man died for us so we can have salvation. But scripture tells us salvation comes through Lord Jesus Christ. He was there in the beginning with the Father. He said, let us make man in the image of God. He was there when the mountain was created and the oceans and the rivers. And God gave him authority over all things, even us. And he's, again, I say he's rich in salvation. Why look away? Why pass this opportunity and invitation that the Lord made possible? And only him can do this. And only him can give it. And no man can take it once he gives it. It's your opportunity. Don't look away. As I did one time before. He's the only way. He's great at what he do. He's a healer. He's the problem solver. Whatever he needs to be done, he can do. But most important, he forgive all sin. No sin is so great that God cannot forgive. None whatsoever. There's no wrong that you could do that he cannot forgive. And all you're asking you to do is receive and believe. 
eso, oh hermana, oh yeah, you don't believe, I said, Lord, I'm into my life, forgive me for my sin, let me be part of your family, and Lord, I know you love me, and so I'm asking you, Lord, continue to be in my walk, and I walk in a way of righteousness, so I may be like you, that my light will shine to this world, to the dying world. Oh God, I pray there's someone out there, Lord, that we know there's someone that needs you, Lord. Oh God, touch their heart. In the name of Jesus, Lord, speak in them, Lord. Let them know that, Lord, you always there, day or night. You're just a call away. Oh God, bless and save, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.